I raise the hand. <laughs> oh, listen, sometimes, sometimes it feels like we can't win for losing. In other words, you take one step forward, two steps back. You don't seem to be able to get ahead. Things aren't going just right. You got issues and family problems, and you got financial challenges. You got issues on your job. I want to preach today on the subject how to win when you're losing. How to win when you're losing. And I dare say, probably a lot of us here today, there may be somebody you that's been discouraged. Have you been discouraged lately? I mean, have you? Probably there's a lot of you here today that's been down in the dumps. How can you win when you're losing? I think I told you about the horse racer, the jockey that won races one right after another, and somebody said, how in the world you do it? He said, easy. He said, I whisper in my horse's ear, red, roses are red, violets are blue. If you lose, you'll be turned into glue. He said, I win every time. Well, I don't know about that, but I know this. We can win even if we're losing. Now, I know there's some of us today that may be discouraged today and maybe our favorite team didn't win yesterday or last week and I understand it can sometimes affect you. Or maybe there's some things going on in your life that you just feel a little bit down today. Well, how can you win when you're losing? I gathered around the bedside of a man this week, 90 years young, and I'm watching him as he's running his race. He's not at the finish line yet, but he's running his race. You say, Pastor, does it look like he's losing? He's going down, down, down. But the Bible teaches our outer man's perishing, but our inner man's being renewed day by day. I've got news for you. He's not going to lose. He's going to win. I'm telling you, absent from the body is present with the Lord. And therefore, when a loved one dies, blessed are they that die in the Lord. From henceforth, they cease their labors, and their works do follow them. How can you win when you're losing? Can I give you four reasons? Can I give you four reasons? Can I give you four reasons why you don't need to quit, why you don't need to give up, why you don't need to back away, why you just need to keep pressing on? Four reasons. I'll go ahead and give them to you, and we're going to look in the Bible in a moment. Here they are. Number one, everybody goes through battles. Number two, anybody can lose some ground. Number three, yes, somebody will be a friend and pray for you. Real friends pray for you. Amen. Friend day. Real friends will pray for you. Number four, Nobody can win a battle like the Lord can. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 7. 1 Samuel chapter 7. The Old Testament, find your way in the Bible. How to win when you're losing. How to win when you're losing. Look over in 1 Samuel chapter 7. Speaking of winning, Eddie, praise the Lord, Eddie Smith is winning. He just retired. Somebody say amen. That was about a week. Eddie just retired. Somebody say amen. Hallelujah. Congratulations, Eddie. All right, how to win when you're losing. How to win when you're losing. Now, here's what we're going in the message today. If you'll note that uh, how to win when you're losing. I just mentioned to you a moment ago, everybody goes through battles. Anybody can lose some ground. Somebody, somebody will be a friend, yes, a real friend, and will help you fight the battle by praying for you. And then nobody can fight and win like our God can. Nobody can fight and win like our God can. I'm looking today at the book of 1 Samuel chapter 7. I want to give you a little background as we get into the text. 
But if you would, just stand to your feet as we read the wonderful Word of God, and then we'll pray together, and I'll share with you some background on how to win when you're losing. I'm convinced God is going to use this message in your life, and even if you need to get the tape and listen to it during the week or give it to somebody else, maybe you say, well, Pastor, I am not feel like I'm losing. Well, circumstances can change in a heartbeat. How many know what I'm talking about? Am I preaching to the choir today or what? I mean, do you know that circumstances can change in a heartbeat? You can be winning today and tomorrow you might feel like you're losing. Wait a minute, First Samuel chapter 7. And the men of Kerjathjerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord. Now, the ark of the Lord was a, a, the a piece of furniture that God told Moses to build, and it represented the presence of God. Why God's Shekinah glory hovered over it. It was the place where the Lord would meet on the mercy seat. At any rate, the men of Kerjathjerim came and fetched up the ark of the Lord, verse 1, and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill and sanctified Eleazar, his son, to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kerjathjerim that the time was long, for it was 20 years. And all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spoke unto the house of of Israel, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you, and prepare your hearts unto the Lord, and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. Verse 4, Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you. Here, a real friend will be praying for you. And Samuel was a real friend. Notice, and Samuel said in verse 5, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. I need somebody to pray for me today. I'm telling you, you need somebody to pray for you today. Verse 6, And they gathered together to Mizpah, and drew water, and poured it out before the Lord, and fasted on that day, and said, There, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the children of Israel, I'm sorry, when the Philistines, verse 7, heard that the children of Israel were gathered together to Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines were up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid. The word is Yahweh, for afraid. And notice of the Philistines. And notice verse 8. And the children of Israel said unto Samuel, Cease not to cry. And that means call for help. Call for help unto the Lord our God for us, for he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it as a burnt offering holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. God, give us some men that will cry out to God for our nation today and for our families today and for our community today. Notice verse 10. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day. Look at verse 10, the middle part of it. The Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them. Oh, yes, there's no God like my God. And they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them, and they came un, uh, under Bethkar. And notice verse 12, underline it. Please note it. Please circle it somehow. Pay attention to it. Then Samuel took a stone. Yes, he did. He took a stone. 
and set it between Mizpah and Shem and called the name of it Ebenezer. Say that name with me. Ebenezer. Say it again. Ebenezer. One more time. You need to learn that word today. Ebenezer. Oh, bless God. It's going to bless you. Ebenezer saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. I love it. Verse number uh, 13. So the Philistines were subdued, and they came no more unto the coast of Israel. The hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. This is the word of the Lord. Father, I thank you now for, Lord, encouraging us when we get down. You know how to get us up. You know how to breathe life into us. You know how to bring hope and joy and peace in spite of our circumstances. I pray today, dear Lord Jesus, you'll be seen, you'll be heard, and you'll be worshipped. And God, that you'd give us ears to hear your still small voice through your holy word and then give us hearts to yield surrender our hearts to you encourage us today lord and we thank you now for the blood of the lamb we thank you now for victory i praise you jesus you are the living god of heaven and earth you know all about us you know what we're going through you know our steps for you said the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord he delighteth in his way I love you, Lord, and thank you now for your love, your forgiveness of all of my sins. Wash me thoroughly now. I pray for that fresh touch of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon us. And even though, God, we seem to be tired and weary this morning, I pray, God, that you renew our strength and that, God, you'll cause us to rise above our physical tiredness and our emotional distress, and you'll give us grace to, oh, Father, lift up our eyes to the hills and press on the victory in Jesus in spite of our circumstances. Thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you're a friend that'll stick closer than a brother. I pray, God, that you'll touch our hearts to pray for our family, to pray for our friends, to pray for this community, to pray for this nation. When all said and done, we'll thank you for it because you are worthy alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Here's where we're going in the message today. There are four reasons you don't need to give up. No, you don't need to quit. Number one, everybody goes through battles. How many know what I'm talking about? Everybody goes through battles. Now, let me give you a little background on 1 Samuel chapter 7. If you were to go back to 1 Samuel chapter 3, 4, 5, and 6, you'd find out this. Actually, if you'd go back to chapter 1, here's what you'd find. You'd find out that God gave a woman named Hannah a little baby. You know what the baby's name was? Samuel. Samuel was a prophet of God and a man of God and raised up for a time such as he did and as he was, as God used him in a mighty way. Now, you need to know, during that time, uh, there was a priest named Eli. He had two sons, Hophnius and, uh, and another son, and uh, uh, there was things not going right in the nation of Israel. Consequently, God struck down these uh, a lineage of Eli at the age of 98 years old. He fell, broke his neck. He was out of the picture. I'm summarizing. I want to tell you this. The Philistines were our enemies of Israel. In fact, on one occasion, if you were to read what we did not read, chapter 4, 5, and 6, here's what you'd find. 4,000 of the Israelites were killed by who? The Philistines, the enemies of Israel. On another occasion, 30,000 smitten by the Philistines. You know what they did? The Philistines, the enemies of God, they came and got the ark of the Lord. 
And that was a holy piece of furniture for the children of Israel. And God designated that for the children of Israel to carry it a certain way and that they were to set it up and uh, therefore God would meet with his people. A holy God with sinful people. Aren't you glad that God's made a way for us to meet with him? Hallelujah. Yes, Lord, yes. But wait a minute. I need to tell you this, that uh, you see, uh, the children of Israel got the Ark of the Covenant. you know where it was at? It was a place called Shiloh. Shiloh is the residing place of the Ark. By the way, the Ark never did go back to Shiloh. I think it was there about 400 years. At any rate, the Philistines came and stole. That's right. They stole the Ark of the Covenant. Well, what did they do with it? They took it back to, to uh, Ashdod, I believe it is. You'll notice right up here on the screen. I'll point it out in a moment. But anyway, so they stole the Ark of the Covenant. Now, if you were to read some in the passages I didn't read, not take time to read due to our limited time on Sunday morning, you'd find out this. They put the Ark. Where did they put the Ark? Do you know where they put the Ark? They put it in the house, if you will, the place where their false god, Dagon, resided. Dagon was the Philistines' false god. You know what they discovered the next morning? You know what they woke up and saw the next morning? I'll tell you what they saw. Dagon had fallen down and was bowing before the Ark of the Covenant. They said, hmm, that's strange. Our God is bowing down before the Israelites' God. This is the Philistines. Well, they uh, set the false God up again, Dagon. I remember being in South America, seeing this great big statue. It reminded me of this as we were riding uh, down uh, fixing to go preach near Venezuela and I saw a big statue it was some kind of false god there were a hundred people out in the field they were worshiping it I don't know exactly uh, all the details I do know this the next day they set Dagon back up you know what they found out the next day I'll tell you what they found out the next day Dagon had fallen down again his head had been cut off and his hands had been cut off hmm I'd say that got their attention I'd say they said hmm there must be something to this Ark of the Covenant in fact, that's not all. You know what else happened? All the Philistines were inflicted with balls or emeralds, as the King James translation puts it. Literally, some translate this as ulcers, and some even say it was tumors. Bottom line, it was not good. And therefore, the children of Israel, now the Philistines are infected with all these sores, all these balls, and you know what they said? They said, man, when we got this ark, all this bad stuff has been happening to us. Let's get rid of the ark. I said all that to bring us up to chapter 7 of the book of 1 Samuel. All right? Now then, what happens after that? Well, let me fill in the blank. Because you know what happens after that? Here's the Philistines. They say, let's get rid of this ark. Well, how are we going to get rid of it? I know how we can get rid of it. How can we get rid of it? Let's take two mama cows. Two mama cows who are allowing their little baby calves to still suck milk from their, uh, their, their body. Well, they said, well, we'll hitch, hitch up these two mama cows. We'll lead them out. And uh, if, if they'll go in spite of their baby calves, we know that it's got to be a supernatural. The Philistines were saying this. It's got to be supernatural of God. You know what happened? The mama cows left and kept traveling even though they had baby calves, they were pulling the ark. You can read about this in the previous chapters. I said that to say this. They ended up in Israel. That's where we pick up the account this morning. Notice on the screen, all right? Here they are in Shiloh. I mentioned the Ark of the Covenant. 
Next they go to the place that's called Ebenezer. It's not the same as the word Ebenezer, a God hitherto has helped us. However, there is a place. And then here's what happens. They go down to a place called Ashdod. I mentioned that already. But then because of all of the stuff I just mentioned with these altars and with these, uh, uh, you know, some said uh, tumors, uh, they said, let's get rid of the ark. So here they go. They go back to Gath. They go back to Ekron. Next thing you know, they end up right here at Beth Shemesh. And you know what happened? The children of Israel, when they landed in Beth Shemesh, looked into the ark. God killed, I believe it's about 50,000 of them, or a number of them at any rate. And then you know what they did? They said, let's take this to Kirith Jerom. This place, that's where we pick up in the text today. Oh, yes. I like to give a little background of the text. That way we know what's going on to study the Word of God. Now, let's launch into the practical application of the message, all right? Four reasons why you and I don't need to give up. Why? How in the world can I win when I'm losing? Don't you want to know that? Because we all face battles. Number one, everybody faces battles. Everybody goes through battles. I just mentioned to you some of the battles that the children of Israel were going through. Question, what kind of battle are you going through? I preached last Monday night. Drove down to Glenville, Georgia, 500 miles, came back and preached on Monday night. And the Lord uh, used the message to Him be glory. People responded, came to the altar, confessing sin, getting right with God. Revival, revival. A young man came to the altar. I met him at the altar as I was praying, asking God to fill my heart and to cleanse me of sin as well. That's the great need in America. Anyway, this young man was standing there. I said, young man, what's your name? He said, Dylan. I said, how old are you? He said, 14 years old. I said, can I ask you a question? Why did you come tonight to the altar? He had a buddy with him. He said, I've said some things at school. I know that I need to get right with God. I'm Christian. I'm saved. But he said, I've been doing some stuff at school. I know it's not becoming of God. And God's convicted me. And I need to confess it to the Lord. I ask him this, what I want to ask you today. Have you confessed your sins before the Lord? Have you confessed uh, maybe some things that aren't pleasing to God today? Well, we got to confess our sins in order to walk with the Lord. Not in order to be saved, but in order to fellowship with God. Maybe it doesn't take much for us to just slip from the Lord. At any rate, I said, I'm going to pray with you, and then I want you to pray. I prayed for Dylan, and then he prayed. (laughs) He asked God to cleanse him of his sin. Aren't you glad that if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Y'all listen to me just a moment. I'm sensing the prince of darkness and the demonic forces are attacking the people of God today. I'm, I'm, I'm sensing they're attacking you, they're attacking you, they're attacking you, they're attacking me, I, and I don't normally t- talk about personal things, but I know that uh, all through the night, boy, I was really, uh, uh, really under attack. But I'm thankful to God for the blood of the Lamb. And I want to tell you something. The devil has no right here at New Rocky Creek Baptist Church. He has no authority. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so you've got to resist the devil. Don't give in to the devil. Don't you let the devil lure you to sleep. Stay strong, brother. Stay strong, sister. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. And their souls weighing in the balance. Our families are weighing in the balance. We need breakthroughs today. We need breakthroughs today. We need breakthroughs in our family. We need breakthroughs in our nation. It's not going to take place when we get complacent or when we get lukewarm or when we get indifferent. It's going to take place when we get red hot on fire for God, confessing, repenting of our sin and crying out to God. Oh, yes, everybody goes through battles. Everybody I know goes through battles. 
I got a call not long ago, 72-year-old man. This is what he said. Pastor, I'm depressed. I said, why are you depressed? Here's what he said. I don't have any friends. I said, I beg your pardon. You got one friend. I'm your friend. And there's other friends that I know you're friends. He says, I've been down. I've been depressed. How many know the devil doesn't care who you are? He'll wear you out with discouragement. He'll wear you out with things going wrong. He'll wear you out things you can't control. He's a dirty devil, but thank God there's victory in Jesus. Everybody goes through battles. That's why you don't need to be discouraged. Oh, no, everybody goes through battles. I talked with three pastors here not long ago. All three of them were sharing with me things, battles they're going through in their life and in ministry. Oh, my, if you're serving God, you know you're going to be in a battle. In fact, right now, if you're not in a battle, you might not be intimidating uh, the demonic forces of evil. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? Are you known in the ranks of hell? Does the devil tremble when he hears your name? Are you any kind of threat to the devil and the devil's forces? Hey, it's time to stop playing church. It's time to stop playing games. It's time to get on the firing line. The enemy will lure us to sleep. The enemy will drag us away. The enemy doesn't care as long as we play church and, uh, and all of that. But, oh, he's going to wear us out anyway. But I'm telling you, thank God, Jesus Christ is our rock. Yes, he is. Number one, everybody goes through battles. And you're going through a battle right now. Don't act like you're not. You know you're going through a battle now. You need a breakthrough today. You need a breakthrough today. You need God to lift a heavy burden. You've been through stress. You don't know how you're going to make it. Your physical body is not able to do things that it once was able to do. Consequently, you get discouraged. And not only that, but things and family issues. I stayed with a brother not long ago. We stayed at 12 o'clock here praying for breakthroughs in our life. I'm telling you, breakthroughs don't just come, but it comes getting right with God. It comes seeking the face of God. Everybody goes through battles, number one. Yes, number two, the second reason why you and I don't need to quit and give up. How can I win when I'm losing? Number two, anybody can lose ground. Look over here in verse 3 and 4 again of 1 Samuel chapter 7. 3 and 4, look at it please. And Samuel spake, I'll click the thing, and I believe I've got it right here in case you're not looking. Uh, and Samuel spake unto the, all the house of Israel, verse 3, saying, If you do return unto the Lord with all your heart, not half of it, not part of it, not giving God lip service, not skipping here and there and just serving God when you feel like it. No, listen what Samuel said. If you return to the Lord with all of your heart and then put away the strange gods. Now, we criticize Israel because of their strange gods. Look, they had Ashtaroth. From among them, prepare your hearts. Notice verse 3, the last part of it. And prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him how often? Only. Don't serve other gods. Now, we say we don't have other gods. Truth be known. Truth be known. We got idols in our life. It could be money. It could be a job. It could be sports. It could be your family. It could be your own life. We've got idols in our life. And therefore, John said, little children, keep yourself from idols. I don't know about you, but can I confess to you if I'm not on guard 24-7, which I'm often not, but I want to be, it doesn't take much for me to slip. And I've got a feeling I'm preaching to some other people too. It doesn't take much for me to compromise. It doesn't take much for me to justify my condition before men and before others. But yet God knows our heart. 
And I have to come away saying, oh God, oh God, I'm losing some ground. Some of you maybe have stopped reading your Bible. I'm not being legalistic here. I'm telling you this. Y'all listen to me. I don't apologize what I'm fixing to say. I want to say it with all the love of my heart. I, I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. It's been my observation, uh, and, and listen now, I'm preaching to myself right here. When a Christian stops, starts missing church continuously, stops reading their Bible, stops praying, the devil's going to move right in and going to wear you out. That's why I know when we stand up and talk about going to church, you say, oh, the preacher's just preaching about going to church. You stay out of church for a while. You stay out of your Bible for a while. You stop praying for a while and see if the devil doesn't wear you out. I'm telling you, I know from personal experience, not only that, but I know from people calling me, uh, and, and I love them, and I'm just heartbroken, beloved. I'm heartbroken when uh, God's people, Christians, get out of the will of God. And it doesn't take much to do that. I'm not bashing. I'm saying we need God. Amen. I'm saying we need the family of God. We need the church. We need God's people around us. And by the way, just because you're coming to church doesn't mean you're really doing business with God. But listen, it's at least just a first step in the right direction. So here's the deal. The deal is uh, try to put Jesus first in your life. Surrender to the Lordship of Christ. Cherry came just a few weeks ago. You said this, and I'm not taking words out of your mouth. You said, I've been a Christian a long time. My daddy was a pastor. Hello? But I hadn't really surrendered to the Lordship of Christ. Question, have you surrendered to the Lordship of Christ? If I call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I say do. Going to heaven's wonderful, but that's just the first step. The Lord, look at this. He said that you'll serve the Lord. Are you serving the Lord? Look at verse 4 again. I want you to look at verse 4 of the text, 1 Samuel chapter 7, verse 4. Then the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth, and they served the Lord only. Man, wasn't that a happy day? Oh, I'd have loved to have been there. By the way, Balaam is the Canaanite god. It's the storm god, the fertility god. And, of course, Ashtaroth was the goddess of love and war. And it doesn't take much for us to slip, beloved. It doesn't take much for us to embrace the concept of the world. Man, I tell you, you'll try to wade through all the mess of the world and all the politics that's going on and, and all the Hollywood stuff and, and even the stuff we're influenced by. We're influenced more by our culture than we're willing to admit. Now, singers and even the Christian world, uh, I'm telling you, we're more influenced than we're willing to admit by this culture of ours, television and uh, YouTube and computer and family that's uh, maybe say, well, I think God's doing this and God's doing that, but maybe they hadn't really been reading the Bible. How can they really know what God's doing when we get out of fellowship with God? All I'm saying is this. Anybody can lose ground. And I'm preaching to some people today, you've lost some ground. You're not where you once was. Hey, you don't have to stay there. You can come back to God. Oh, yes. The Lord is ready to restore you. The Lord is ready to forgive you. The Lord is ready to rebuild the broken down walls. He's able to restore the years the locusts have eaten. Thank God for it. I want to jump up and shout right there. But anyway, so everybody goes through battles. Secondly, anybody can lose some ground. I want to tell you something. There's a young man right now that comes to mind. I love this young man. Originally, you know who I was talking about. It's no secret. We're praying for the young man. But this young man made some bad decisions. 
I remember talking with him, saying, man, I, I, you need to get back in church. You need to come back to church. Not because church itself is of anything, but if you listen to the Word of God, God the Holy Spirit will use the Word of God, and God will, want, will begin to bless your life if you come under the authority of the Word of God. That's the whole goal why we meet today to worship the Lord and obey the Lord. And if we don't really worship the Lord and obey the Lord, we've kind of just been going through the motions. Anyway, this young man got out of the church, stopped reading his Bible. I know that because he told me that, okay? I'm not being judgmental or critical. I'm just telling him what he told me. I stopped reading my Bible, got out of the church, stopped praying, and, and I talked with him, and he said, yeah, I know I need to get back in church. Listen to me. All it takes is one bad decision It'll mess up your life. You believe that? It don't matter who you are. You can be a preacher. You can be a Sunday school teacher. It doesn't matter. One bad decision, my friend. One bad decision. And how many know as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Oh, the devil's a dirty devil. He won't necessarily knock you out right away. It'll be gradual, like boiling a frog alive. You put him in the pot. You let him get used to it. You turn it up and eventually he'll just get used to it and then next thing you know he's boiling alive if you turned it on hot at first throw him in he's gonna jump out but if you gradually gradually slip here slip here compromise here compromise here oh it doesn't take much to lose ground this young man's made a bad decision and he's paying for it right now god help us does the lord love him yes is it affecting his family yes it's affecting others. Everybody's going through a battle. Anybody can lose ground. You can, I can. Number three, that's why somebody will be a friend and pray for you. How many of y'all need a friend praying for you? Man, I need you to pray for me all the time. And I know you do, and I appreciate it. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I need the prayers. I'm not just saying that. But I'm facing battles. You're facing battles. I know you are. Watch. Somebody will be a friend. Friend day. They'll help you fight the battle. That's what friend day's all about. Real friends bring their friends to Jesus. And a friend, notice chapter 7, verses 5 through 9. Notice chapter 7, verses 5 through 9. Look at it, please. Here we find in verses 5 through 9, and Samuel said, see, Samuel was a friend to Israel. Yes, Samuel was a friend to the crowd that took their eyes off the Lord, and then they were suffering immensely. In fact, the Philistines had taken the Ark of the Covenant, dishonored God, and now they were in terrible shape, and the Lord's blessings wasn't on them. They needed the blessings of God. Can I say something before I read? You know what our goal is? You know what our goal is as a Christian? This is my goal, and it ought to be your goal, to so walk with God, to so walk with God, that when I've got somebody asking for prayer or a friend that needs a breakthrough, that I'll be walking with the Lord and thus I can get a line to heaven and thus they can get a breakthrough. If you don't see that, you need to take the blinders off your eyes. How many of y'all Christian? Raise your hand. All right. You know why God saved you? To serve him. That's what he said. Look at that. In verse uh, 4. The children of Israel put away Balaam and Asherah and served the Lord only. And then verse 5, Samuel said, Gather all Israel to Mizpah, and I will pray for you unto the Lord. Real friends, pray for you. I know I've got some friends right here in the church. 
I know, hey, listen, but I bet if I ever need somebody to pray with me, man, I'm going to call some folks and say, man, will y'all meet me? Let's pray together. We've done that before. Hey, I need it. Do y'all need it? Nah, you don't need it. You're okay. Everything's going good. You just wait. Hey, you're going to need it, brother. You're going to need it, sister. You're going to need it. I'm telling you, just as sure as I'm standing here. I, I'm not trying to be negative here. I'm just saying we need, uh, we need, watch this. Look what Samuel does. Look at verse 6. And they gathered together to Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord, fasted on that day. I believe in the power of fasting. Yes, I do. And not to go around talking about it, but with the right motives. Isaiah 58 and 6 says, to loosen the bonds of wit wickedness, to undo heavy burdens. Let the oppressed go free, that you break every yoke. Jesus said this kind only comes by prayer and fasting in Mark chapter 9, verses 27, 28. The disciples couldn't cast out a demon. Why? They were prayerless and they were powerless. I see a picture of the average Christian today, not in fellowship with God. And when somebody's got a need, they can't really get a hold of God. They'll just call somebody else and say, so-and-so's got this problem. Or, or say on Facebook, I'm praying for you, but really don't do it. Come on, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's walk with the Lord. Let's make a difference. Many of you are making a difference. Keep it up. How to win when you're losing. But wait a minute. Keep reading. Because they fasted on that day. They said, we've sinned. Look at this, verse 6, the middle part. We sinned against the Lord, and Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the children of Israel heard that the children of Israel, I'm sorry, when the Philistines, verse 7, heard that the children of Israel were gathered together at Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And then scoot down to verse 9. Well, verse 8. And the children of Israel, verse 8, said to Samuel, cease not to cry. Somebody needs to pray for me. Please, somebody pray for me unto the Lord. Cease not to cry unto the Lord our God for us. He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. Verse 9, Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel. And the Lord heard him. Woo! Glory. God heard him. Why pray if God doesn't answer? Maybe that's why some aren't praying more. You don't think God's going to answer you. God answers in his timetable for his glory according to his will. Have you prayed today? Who have you prayed for? <laughs> hey, look. Somebody will help you fight the battle. How many are going through a battle right now? You need somebody to pray for you. Uh-huh. Yep. Let's get honest with God. There's breakthroughs there, brother. Yes, sir. Breakthrough, sister. Somebody will help you fight the battle. Samuel did. And then finally, nobody can fight and win like our God can. Nobody can fight and win like our God can. Look at this. I know the Lord gave me this message for today, and I was really praying over another message, but God just kept quickening in my heart. Look at verse 10. Look at verse 10. And Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomforted them. Why? Because Samuel was interceding. Why? Because God says the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yes, he discomforted them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them. And until they came to Beth Car, look at verse 12. Then Samuel took a stone and set it between Mizpah and Shin and called the name of it Ebenezer, saying hitherto, hath the Lord helped us. I love it, I love it, I love it. Oh, bless the Lord. 
You see, nobody can fight and win like our God can. But, oh, he can. You're going through a battle today. You're facing some uh, attacks of the enemy. Samuel took a stone. Samuel took a stone. And you know what he did? He set it between Mizpah and Shem. He called the name of it Ebenezer, saying, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. Samuel understood when God stretches forth his hand to power, answers prayer, brings breakthroughs, you need to set up an Ebenezer. Oh, yes. Ebenezer, thus far, the Lord hath helped us. Tell me, have you got some Ebenezers in your life? Hey, I want to leave with this thought. How many today need to set up some Ebenezers? Why? For your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren will know our God is alive. Don't you want your children, grandchildren to know hitherto the Lord has helped us? Hey, as a pastor, I have the privilege of seeing this quite often. I'm standing in a funeral home. A loved one has died. One of my dear friends part of this body of believers and I see one by one the family come by and I see and hear what they say how that individual passed down a lasting legacy God I might not be able to control a lot of things but I can set up an Ebenezer a stone that not only my children and grandchildren will be able to walk by, but others in the community, others who God sends our way can see. The Lord helped him. He can help me too. You need to put up an Ebenezer today. God has brought a victory in your life, a battle. Right now, as you stand to your feet,